Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Chat. Oh, my goodness, we are back with so much to discuss. But before we hop into everything, let's check in on our co-host, Alan, my darling. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited. There's only three bitches on the Zoom this week. I Oh, my God. I literally texted Tiggs that. I said, you know, Alan loves three bitches on a Zoom. Uh, Tiggs, my dear, how are you? I'm doing fabulous. You know what has to be a good day when the young and the restless. Please, it was the best soap of the day. Because today's, today's GH, it was filler like a motherfucker. That whole episode was filler. I enjoyed all the characters that they that aired, but it was filler. And I'm because of Dan and Chris out later on in the show. Well, I mean, we'll get into it. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Today's GH was filler. I haven't seen it yet. Um, but I mean, they did climax every single story they ever had in the past two years. So I'm not surprised today was filler. Um, but anyway, let's get into a soap we haven't talked about in a while. Um, and that's Days of Our Lives. We, mm. we, even we have to. We have <laughs> no, no. I, you know, no. Actually, actually, today I, I may start watching back this week because it seems like starting this past Monday, it's starting to get better. It's the build up to Born Hope coming back, so I may peek my head. Might. Well, let's get into first of all congratulations for Ariane uh, Zucker, who marked twenty five years in the role of Nicole. Um, so congratulations to Ari. And only 15 years of them were great. <laughs> there were some great memories for her. Um, a wonderful actress. Um, just fabulous. So congratulations to Ari. But the real deal about the storylines. So Tiggs, what are you thinking about the drama that Miss Sarah Horton is enduring lately? Um, because she's going through a lot. So, what do you think of Sarah's? Uh, like, I like I haven't watched Days in two months. I've been keeping up through Twitter. We know this baby is theirs. My whole thing is, Ron, you are a professional. It does not matter if you did not grow up watching Days of Our Lives. You know how to write story. You know how to write character. You know archetypes. So, quit fucking acting like you don't. Xander is the typical anti-hero. We don't want him sugary sweet. We also don't want him batshit crazy. Find a middle ground for Xander and let's get on with it. Sarah knew what she was getting into. She knew Xander was on some punk ass shit. Now this latest thing, with the whole thing, that was stupid. That I can't defend that. Like, if I was Sarah, I wanted to force the motherfucker to. It's like, look, goddamn, I know you're not perfect, but that was stupid, motherfucker. Dumb. But it's just like, find a middle ground with Xander. Just, just let him go work for Titan. Let him go work for security at Titan. He can be the muscle. We all know for now, if Kyriakos is still amongst the living, he can just get a job doing shady things for Titan. Why can't he do that? That's a nice middle ground. Sarah won't talk too much shit like, yeah, it's a little shady, but you're back with the family company, and it's sort of above board, so I'll shut up. 
you know, shit like that. Or let him join Black Patch. Let him become a private investigator. Let John and, and Steve mentor him. That way he can get his hands dirty, but it's for the greater good. Do fucking something. Like, it's so fucking stupid that, okay, she's dumped Xander, now she's fucking Rex again, like, and he's all up in Gwen's face, and they're trying to blackmail Jack and all that. This is fucking stupid. It doesn't make sense. Nobody fucking cares. Where's Beauregard and Fancy Face? That's what the fuck we care about. Like, what was the point? What was the point of Megan faking Marlena, Kate, and Kayla's death? What was the fucking point? Why is she doing this? Why are Lee and Gabby about to move in the same building as Wendy and Tripp? This is stupid. Lee is a fucking executive at the Mara Enterprises. His father helped build that company. He is dirty, fucking, filthy rich. Why the fuck is he living there with his kid sister and her newest boy toy? This is fucking stupid. Nobody cares. This triangle with Stephanie and Alex and Chad, nobody fucking cares. Yes, I know people have problems with Chad Muna. Abigail's been an air mid for nine motherfucking months. I, the man gotta move on. I don't want to see Chad crying in the pillows and brooding forever. That shit is fucking boring. That's the, that, that was my main thing when they called themselves killing Abigail off. I didn't want to see Billy Flynn being on that bullshit forever. Let him move on. Him and Stephanie got the chemistry. She does not have the chemistry with her fake ass cousin. They retconned all their history for nothing. They don't have chemistry. Like, what are we doing? You're wasting Jack A. Harry. Give Paulina a fucking storyline. Give her an egg something to do. Bring back Theo. Bring back Abe, goddammit. Do, hey, Brandon. Bring back, do something. Ronald Colavati has been trying my motherfucking patience. I want his ass gone. Because Jamie Giddens and Ryan Kwan would do a far better job than what the fuck he's doing right now. I don't know what's going on with Ken Corday. I don't know if he's been at the damn golf course too motherfucking long. I don't know if Albert Alarf got to take his, his Metamucil. I, I just know one motherfucking thing. If Greg Mean was in that bitch, none of this shit would be happening. Shape up or shape to shape it out. Shape it out. Because I'm paying to watch this fucking show. And I ain't been watching. Somebody ain't doing the math right. And it's a lot of, it's a million motherfuckers paying to watch this fucking show. And they've been doing it for the last six motherfucking months. Gives the people their money's worth. Back to you, baby. Well, I mean, hopefully the show does turn around when Bo and Hope get there. But, you know, my biggest issue with Days is that you're right, Tiggs. People are now paying to watch the show and it's getting to the point where more people are going to pay for it because Xfinity is getting rid of their free Peacock uh, tier that they give to their customers. And so now Days is really going to have to shape it up because I know a lot of people who were watching uh, the show with their Peacock connection through Xfinity. So it's like, 
Bo and Hope return. We know it's going to be amazing. We know it's going to be great because Christian and Peter are going to make it do what it do. But after that, the show cannot just have one good four-month storyline this year and also do a really nice, you know, Victor death episode. And then that's it. You know, it's got to really be consistently good and really shape up. Um, and it's just not, like, I, I don't understand. The rest of the show cannot be shit. And then you just rely on something. It's it's very Brad Bell. You guys know how Brad Bell does that. Like, the rest of the show will be shit. And then once a year, he'll rely on somebody to carry it, whether it be Kimberlyn Brown laughing or Heather Tom's Katie losing another body part or a forester coming back for two weeks that we haven't heard from in 15 years. Um, so yeah, I'm really worried about the state of days of our lives right now. Um, not in terms of cancellation or anything like that like the state of storytelling the state of what's on the screen because Tiggs I'm right there with you I haven't tuned in in a very long time I have not watched a full episode since the week of Thanksgiving um and I don't feel the need to um especially like the only soaps I really feel a need to watch right now are General Hospital and The Young and the Restless um which we'll get into those more but Alan uh, what are your thoughts on days right now, particularly this whole contract marriage between Gabby and Lee and how Stefan factors in? It's stupid. Just get Gabby and Stefan back together to solve the bullshit. Because he's been back, what, like, what, like seven months now? Yeah. It's been long enough. It's been long enough. You know, we can jerk us around this long. And Remedy and Oliver is hot, but Lee is not a good character. Do you think, Alan, that he's in the top three of the worst characters on the show right now? Well, Steve Bergen is about to be back as his monkey. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I wouldn't know if I'd say he's top three worst. <laughs> but it's part of a sex suggests us to fucking Steve Burgers on vaccinated ass, so yeah. Well, now, is this Steve Burton or is this Harris Michaels? <laughs> I can't um, believe they fucking hired his ass. I can't believe it. I would have just taken a recast. You know, what? what's John Hensley doing? Um, I know yeah, there's I, other unvaccinated actors that date. I'm not going to name any names, but it's just shameful to hire someone who got fired publicly from his last soap job because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Her. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, okay. Okay. Because I have not been watching. What is the whole contract thing with Lee again? So it's them being married to each other for six months. Um, she like agreed to do it. And um, Stefan and Gabby and Lee are kind of all in this triangle right now. Okay, so does Gabby know what Lee did to Stefan? Shall I couldn't tell you. <laughs> No, no. She knows. She's not happy about the situation. <laughs> to put it mildly. So why do they have to be married for six months? I'm not understanding. Probably something for the marriage, child. I don't know. I ain't watched the show. Anyway, the No, no, no. I'm asking Alan because Alan still watches. Has been watching. So, like, Alan, what is the whole thing? with Why, why do they be married for six months? It's blackmail, and I'm watching 
do bits and pieces because I've been fast forwarding through this shit, so I just know it's blackmail. <laughs> like, I, I don't mind Lee. Like, Remington Hoffman, fine as hell. He just needs some acting classes. A lot of them. If somebody don't call Darnell Williams to come down there and beat that boy ass to learn how to act. Child, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people who need acting classes on that set. <laughs> because it's just, we need a good villain. I'm tired of orphans. Like, like I'm tired of these old-ass geriatric villains. Days of our lives, General Hospital 2, like all these soaps. We need some young, hot, sexy villains, me and Alan's age. We need some under 40 sexy good villains. I'm tired of Paul Paul waving guns and planning this and plan I'm tired of that shit. We need some good villains. And we also just need to get back to like the generational aspect on the show. I was having a conversation with um Galen, who's a friend to the show and has guest co-hosted on our podcast. And we were talking about Tucker on the Young and the Restless. And I said to him, I said, Galen, as unpopular of an opinion as this might be, I would have much rather have seen Stephen Nichols back in the role for six months. And the reason I say that is because I'm, I no longer want to watch 80 year olds cry over their wife's 85th fake to death in 30 years. It's not entertaining to me anymore. And I get it. It's days, but this stuff needs to be passed down to the younger generations the older generations can still have story. My God, Doug and Julie still get front burner story. Bill Hayes surprised us. Emmy Award took us over type of material when he was Satan. It was fabulous. But it's like this stuff cannot all be placed on John and Marlena and Kayla and Steve and Kate and Roman anymore. It's time to move it along. This stuff should be happening to Sean and Belle, Carrie and Austin. Um, well, honestly, you know what? It should be happening to people younger than that. Like, I didn't mind when Johnny was possessed because it was happening to somebody who wasn't 85 years old. And I don't know. It's just tiring for me to watch Days because it truly is the soap. You know, we always say, oh, I'm not watching the soap right now. It's just so many recycled stories. That is days to its core right now because it's not even getting to the point where it's nostalgia and fun history moments. It's getting to the point where it's now ridiculous that this is happening to these people again. Why is 75-year-old Marlena frozen by Megan Demera? That's ridiculous. And it's too ridiculous for days of our lives, dare I say. It's like, People didn't like when James E. Riley was putting people in virtual gardens of Eden. I don't like 75-year-old Marlena frozen by Megan Demera. It's stupid. You have to balance the zaniness with actual day-to-day -day soap opera plots. You have to. Oh, well, they did do that, Casey, because they killed Abigail. <laughs> they did that. It is. It's ridiculous that after all this is said and done, and Marlena and Kate and Kayla are back with their families, and Bo is off with hope, saving the world. I want a moratorium on Back from the Dead stories for days. Me too, forever. I don't want. I don't <laughs> want to see nobody back from the dead until the 60th anniversary, and it's Abigail Joanne. That's it. Yeah, I don't want to see this shit no more. 
Yeah, that's one good thing. I, that's one good thing I can say about Bold and Wanda. They don't play it back from the dead shit all the damn time. Yeah, it's Diane like Jenkins. Jenkins days have done it at nausea. Diane Jenkins died in 2012. It's like you know, and they brought her back after a decade. A decade. Days of our lives will literally kill you off and bring you back six months later. It's ridiculous. I'm just, I'm over it. Like, can, can we get some good stories? And I know, and I'm and poor Jamie. Poor Jamie. Because Jamie is just trying to be a little worker bee and get his check. But I know Jamie, I know he's frustrated. He has to be frustrated. Because he loves that show as much as I do. If not more. And I know he gets frustrated with some of the storyline direction and shit like that and decisions that are made. It's just like, get rid of Juan. Jamie is a lot cheaper and a lot smarter. And he knows the show and he loves the show. Juan can do that. Because I like that. I'm over Juan. Bye. Or at least if they give him a co-head writer, you know, somebody, like if, because... I mean, we don't know the details of Ron's contract. We don't know how much he's getting paid. Nobody knows. But it's like, balance him out. Because it's he needs a Gene Passanante to his Hogan Sheffer. He needs somebody to slap his hand. And, and you know, Gene Passanante was that for Ron on One Life to Live and General Hospital. He needs somebody to rein it in and be like, okay, Ron, Marlena goes to heaven she would probably mention her son who died of SIDS, which, you know, we found out that that uh, breakdown was written by Jamie, where DJ was mentioned, and the script was written by my good friend Darrell Anthony. And so it's like, we need more of that because it just can't be balanced depending on who gets the breakdown. But, you know, that's, that's what it is at a lot of these shows, um, especially at the Young and the Rest, well, with The Young and the Restless, now it depends on who writes the script, because <laughs> there are no breakdown writers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, with Days of Our Lives, you know, I'm tired of it depending on if this is going to be a good episode, depending on who gets the breakdown, because it's showing me that long story is lacking very, very much so. So what do you guys want to back in? Even if it's just a fast word like through like I am doing. I, I think I, no, I think I might start this week because I was not going to tune back in until March 16th. The last episode I watched was John Anderson's last episode and it made me cry. And a soap hasn't done that in a long time. But like showing it <laughs> and it just even the whole episode, him talking shit to Leo and Sonny, and I'm like, damn it, I'm gonna miss John. And like yeah, and I and I I've been seeing good things on Twitter about the show, so I may glance at it this week as the lead up to Born Hope and Megan's back and everything like that. And now, because I didn't want to see all that heavy bullshit with Kate Marlene, I didn't want to see all that bullshit. I didn't want to see all the fake ass death scenes. I I know they were great and all that stuff, but I, I'm at that point. I don't want to see that shit if it's not real. I don't care about the performance. I don't care. Everybody, I don't care about that. I don't care. Especially when it comes to days. We all know death is only permanent on days when there's backstage drama or the character was extremely unpopular. <laughs> so that's only two things. If you were unpopular or, you know, you are, were a 
pain in the ass behind the scenes, yeah, you're dead. You're dead, dead. But if you're popular and beloved, you're going to be back. I don't think they should do fake deaths for old people. Because remember what happened with Catherine when she died on the restless? Her fake funeral was better than the, her actual funeral. And that's stupid. That shit was they shot their emotional wad on a fake funeral. Maria Bell really put her whole Bellissy into that because that was actually some good shit. It wasn't Maria. right. Like it was like Jenny Cooper died in real life, and then five years later, when she did die, we got Paul and Cricket getting married. Oh, and don't That's forget Catherine. Why would you do this? Because you know she left Nikki that letter about Steve Burton coming to the show. Um, but yeah, you're totally right, Alan. It's like really ridiculous and you know jamie giddens actually once said um on daytime confidential years ago i remember this so clearly but it was pertaining to characters coming back from the dead and he's like well you know what happens if you kill them off and you bring them back and then they die in real life like two months later or something because that's sadly a possibility you know i don't want to be that dark and that gruesome but you can't be killing these people off like it's 1985 anymore. There has yeah, to be. They're elderly people. They're up in age. So, yeah, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, no, it's not a good idea. John and Marlena, there are tons of better story for them um, than, you know. <laughs> God, I can't. I can't do it anymore. I just. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, no, it, it just, it's not good television. It's just no, not it's good not. Like, nobody wants to see this anymore. Like, yes, we love our vets. We love them so much. But they can't keep going on capers and adventures when, when they have high blood pressure and, and diabetes. <laughs> and like, like, God damn it. Like, y'all gonna stress out poor Steve. Y'all know my Steve when Earl Johnson got sciatic. He can't keep doing that shit. <laughs> he barely can still call Kayla Sweetness. He got diabetes, too. You can't keep doing this shit. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. It's like, no. Save this for their children. That's why I wanted Stephanie back. Steve and Kayla are the only super couple without grandchildren. This is ridiculous. It's now, why, didn't, like, why didn't Orpheus, you know, poison Stephanie? You know? It's like, come on. You've got to move it down the totem pole at some point. You have to. You you fucking have to. Especially when you have people like John and Marlena and Kate and Roman who have 75 grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. Like, you, you can't keep doing this. Yeah, no. You... Like, even Bo and Bo and Hope got a 30-year-old granddaughter. <laughs> but see, but see, in the case of Bo and Hope, I will allow it because it's like Motion to die in the first place. And Peter Ripple still looks good, goddamn good, and he takes care of himself. Well, and also, they're not as old as some of their other counterparts. Um, um, well, Peter Ripple is. Well, yeah. Chris, Chris, I'm going to say, as Peter Ripple still finds himself, but Peter Ripple pushes seven. He, he a decade <laughs> old. He, he, no, he a decade older than Christian Alfonso. Peter Ripple, old. But, you <laughs> know, I hated a few years ago when. They pushed Hope to the side and made her seem like she was 70, you know, like 10 yeah. years ago. I hated that so much because I'm like, how dare you? Like, it was because it's like Christian was still in her 40s. So it was just yeah, like, she what? was 47 and she was like, 
Oh, Sammy, I don't know how you do it at your age, dear. I was like, Christian Alfonso ought to uppercut somebody in their face. <laughs> and God damn it, and I'm going to tell you one motherfucking thing, Ron. With Bo being back, the next motherfucking time Carrie or Sammy be back, and they cross paths with Hope, she better be Aunt Hope. And I'm not motherfucking playing. <laughs> like, I've always hated that. That it's this kind of like discourse between them because of stank ass race. Yeah. Even if Bo really was dead, that will always be their Aunt Hope. Just like Mickey been dead for a fucking decade and Hope and Jennifer's old decrepit ass still called Maggie Aunt Maggie. That's family. That's what you do. Cut the bullshit. Well, you all, I'm sorry our days of our lives talk were not a little more cheerful. But... Uh, and I got one more motherfucking thing to say. Ronald, you had you got a six-month head start, bitch. You better not fuck up Victor Curiosity's death. It better be just as good as S.B. Candace, if not better, motherfucker. You better draw so much story from this. I bet I just get a one-and-done episode. This needs to build story. I want Philip back. I want Vivian. I want Carly. I won't goddamn you better motherfucking bring back uh what's her name? I want Stacey Gleason back. I want yes, I want Brady to see his dead ass mama. I want all of that shit. You better go balls to the motherfucking balls. And I'm not playing with your stinking ass. Well, and you know the excuse can't be out there because I talked to Louise now. I asked her, I said... Yes, we, we heard from Louise Sorrell personally that she would come back for John Anderson. So I want to hear no bullshit. Okay. Um, but yeah, so thank you for tuning in to our Days of Our Lives discussion. It's been it's been lovely. Now um, who's on the doctor to get dragged next? Okay. <laughs> well, next up, let's talk about the bold and the beautiful. So Go ahead, Alan, if you don't want to watch. <laughs> so the bold and the beautiful, just a very simple question for you all as um the story continues to unfold. Brooke and Taylor, they're still homegirls, they're still aces, they're having sleepovers still this past week. Um, they're just you know fabulous friends, but yay or nay to the friendship because it's really getting long in the tooth now story-wise. So Alan, yay or nay to Brooke and Taylor's friendship and why? Yay. It's one of the few things I'm actually enjoying about the show. And I like Krista Allen and Kelly Curley playing off each other and it's a change to the status quo because you know Brad Bell, he, he doesn't really change the status quo too often. He usually likes things very static for the most part. So I'm enjoying to see the status quo, and I hopefully they both get new men. That's what I want. No more going back to Ridge. I want not release a year. Keep them away from Ridge for this year. I do not want them to be face deep in his ass by July. No. So Alan, you mentioned new men. So before we go to Tiggs on the whole Brooke and Taylor friendship, what are your thoughts on this Hollis guy um, and Brooke? Because there's been a lot of people thinking about them together. It was cute, even though Brooke realized after the kiss on Friday that it was kind of soon, and she wants someone who already knows her. If she's going to fall in love, 
I'd love her to get in the life of someone who already knows her. So, yeah, it's not going to go anywhere, Hollis. Even though I wish she would have had Brooke Otter fucking pussy in. So. But she was like telling Taylor, oh, I didn't want to have sex with someone I didn't know. Which is, well, to be fair, Brooke usually, when she usually fucks someone, she usually already knows them. She doesn't really fuck strangers. Well, and that shows a lot of growth on her part because at least, you know, she's not thinking that 22-year-olds are 70-year-old Ridge Forrester anymore, so. Well, at least she did know all of her before she fucked him. She just didn't know it was him. (laughs) (laughs) Alan, goddammit, that was brilliant. Oh, Jesus. Um, Tiggs, what are your thoughts on Taylor and Brooke's continued friendship, yay or nay? Yay. It's, a, it's refreshing, a nice change of pace, and it's real. I know we should, are supposed to suspend belief, but at this point, after 30 years, Brooke and Taylor would not still be friends. They wouldn't. They, they wouldn't. Especially women of their stature. Like, Brooke is a chemist. She is an executive that has May helped make Forrester creators what it is. Taylor is a world-renowned psychiatrist. They would not still be dealing with punk-ass Ridge after 30 years. They just wouldn't. Like I said, I said on Twitter, either kill Ridge off or send him to Forrester International or bring back Sean. Denise Richards and Torsten K had chemistry. Do that. They need to move them on. Bring back Nick for Brooke. Um... You know, bring on a new guy for Taylor. Or, or hell, no. They can just, or, or bring back Ted King for one of them. Jack isn't with Lee anymore. Like, bring him back for one of them. You know? Or, or hell, Rick Hurst ain't doing nothing. Bring back Whip. I don't care. Like, you know, just let them find somebody that respects them, that cherishes them. And like, yeah, they don't, they don't need their grandmothers. They don't need to still be fighting over Dick as grandmothers. It's ridiculous. Them being friends, like, I kind of just want to just watch all the Brooke and Taylor scenes. Like, that actually has me intrigued to go back to watch Bowling. It's refreshing. Yeah, you watched last Friday's episode, at least. Okay. Because I love that scene where they were making fun of the fact that they were grandmas at El Giardino, talking like old ladies. That was so adorable. I liked that. Like, like, let Hope and Steffi go through all the bullshit. Let Brooke and Taylor just live their life and be fun and chill. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm on the fence, you know, but I agree with you, Tiggs, that, like, it does make sense from an aspect like we were talking about with Days of Our Lives. You know, you got to pass those generations on. And, you know, those women... Um, out of this 30-year feud, uh, 25 of those years were really about them. And so you really have to look at these women as they are today. Both are supposed to be in their 60s, even though Krista Allen is 23. Um, <laughs> you know, you got to look at how these women are. You've got to look at also the amount of money they have now, the marriages they've been through. 
Um, like you said, Tiggs, it just doesn't make sense for them to really go through this shit anymore. Um, they're not 35 anymore. Um, and that would actually be a fun. Now, see, if you want to do a podcast story, that would be fun. Imagine Brooke and Taylor making a podcast talking about both being married to Ridge, both being married to Nick, both being married to Whip, and making fun of themselves. That's a podcast story. See, I've always wanted, um, because Lord, I'm over podcasts on the CBS soap, but I have always wanted Brooke to write a memoir. Um, and I'm surprised they've never gone there with her. Kind of like, you know, how Erica King used to write a book, Every Five Head Writers. Um, I would love for Brooke Logan to write her memoir. Um, and, you know, she could call it Belief in Myself um, or something like that. Um, and then, you know, Taylor could proofread her chapters. Like, Brooke, I didn't really say that. Well, Taylor, it's my book, bitch. And, you know, they can have all those great flashbacks for KKL um, as well. I would love that. I think Brooke should write a memoir. But, you know, they'll probably do something else stupid, like, you know, just focus on the custody battle that never ends. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing really going on on Bold and Beautiful, in my opinion. <laughs> Because Hope of the future is paused. Yeah. Yay. Because I've always been for the future. Yeah, nobody gave a flying fuck about hope for the future. Like, hope, like, girl, you were popping your pussy for brothers at the same damn time. You ain't shit about two versions no more. You're a mother, you're 35, ran for ain't shit virtuous about you no more. Cut the bullshit with hope for the future. I think Hope in the Future was started because remember when Brad Bell said he was inspired by One Tree Hill for Latine's story back in the day? That's exactly, yeah. I, yeah, he, I thought I think he was inspired by the clean teen story on One Tree Hill. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> that stuff, all that shit always looks like something. I'm so confused on what Hope for the Future is because one time the shit will look like something you get at Old Navy and then the next, you know, Hope is walking out in this diamond encrusted headpiece and this couture gown. I'm like, what type of fashion line is this? Like, <laughs> are you selling clothes at Old Navy? Or are you making couture gowns for Rodeo Drive? It makes sense that if it was like a ready-to-wear thing, where they had sold to more at a, a lower price point, more commercial. Yeah, it looks a lower price point. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> God, I just miss the bold and the beautiful actually following fashion trends and uh, telling real fashion stories. But, you know, same could be said about The Young and the Restless. The Young and the Restless rarely has dialogue anymore. That makes sense. Their favorite words are acquisition, merger, and podcast. So All the business words in The Young and the Restless are about a company's acquiring another company. That's all <laughs> Josh Griffith knows how to do. Which doesn't even happen in the real world. Bill Bell did that once. And it was with Jabot, and that story lasted years. Like, people just don't go around buying out companies every single day in the same small town. Like, that doesn't happen. And mergers happen usually makes sense. Like, a pharmaceutical company merges with another pharmaceutical country, another media company merges with another media company, or maybe a telecom, like a cell phone company, buys a media company. It's exactly. stuff like that. Like, I didn't understand making Chancellor Industries 
And I guess now we're talking about The Young and the Restless. But I didn't understand making Chancellor Industries into a media business. What is their obsession with media? That's not what Chancellor did. Chancellor was an import-export company, and all the poor people like the Fosters worked at the Chancellor Mill. That's why, you know, when when Chancellor Industries started coming back into focus around the time Gene Cooper died and they were playing musical chair CEO with Kane and Jill and now Lily and Devon, I really thought they would take a page out of like this whole Starbucks crisis that happened a few years ago where they were trying to unionize Starbucks. And I'm like, why didn't they just deal with union workers, union factory workers, and who are like, I don't want to work in these conditions anymore. It's 2023, not 1923. We're not working in a sweatshop. This isn't pre-industrial revolution. You know, like we want our workers' rights, so we're going to unionize and then Lily, in her, you know, very nice, you know, suburban home, has to put up with union workers trying to strike a deal. And Cricket could have represented the union workers, and Amanda could have represented Chancellor Industries. I would have much rather have seen that. But uh, that story, the main characters we know would be the villains. Yeah. So that's probably why they wouldn't tell that story. And we, and for that story to work, they'd have to have a character we know at a union. Yeah. Well, and then like Jill could have felt guilty too, because, you know, some day player could have come up to her and said, you know, your mother or the woman you thought was your mother worked in these factories with us. Well, I guess she turned out to be your mother in the end, but, you know, worked in these factories with us every day. And look who you've become. You let money and power and greed get the best of you for the past 40 years. Um, and then, you know, you can do a flashback of Liz Foster, but oh well. Um, but anyway, speaking of Chancellor Industries and the Young and the Restless, uh, Tiggs, I know you were fired up for how Lily read Devon today. So take it away. Oh, it was amazing. I loved it. Like, Chris Khalil shines when she's being a bitch. It's the only time Lily acts like this. And just, Devon found out that Amanda was representing her, and Lou was just like, well, yeah, I hired Amanda. She's familiar with the fact that you can't commit. So, yes, I did. I said, oh. Like, they, they really got into it today. It was, it was, it's like scorched earth. Even if it came down to it and Devon didn't go through the lawsuit, the damage has been done. Like, you know, she she was telling him like, oh well, you know, you still have your father. Tucker is still here. Your biological father is here. And he was just like, well, you still got Malcolm. I said, no, the fuck he did. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't. And she even said that like, you need to quit acting like you're the only person who gave a fuck about that. I'm tired of that. You act like you knew Neil better than anybody he's ever met in his life. You didn't. She called Devon a hypocrite. Like. She dragged Devon for that whole motherfucking hour today until Abby came in and, and stopped him. <laughs> like, it, it was so good. I was so happy because initially with this murder, I was on Devon's side, but the way he's went about it, it's, it's gross because he's so sanctimonious and so self-righteous. Oh, yeah, I've been on Lily's side the whole time. Yeah, like, because it's just like, they've been reasonable with him. Like, like Lily and Jill have been wanting to like 
give him more than asking price for the damn company. Like, here, we'll pay you out. Go start your own company. Because she was telling Devon, like, I miss dad too. But you're doing all this. It's not, a, it's like a disservice to him. It's not going to bring him back. It's just the company. Like, she was like, my father transcends his name in a company. He was more than Hamilton Winter. And you're acting like he wasn't. Like she said, I'm warning you, Devon. Don't go there. I'm like, I come on, Lily. Come on. And I'm finally loving that this is all happening because, you know, it's been um, a few years now since Kristoff left. And like, is the hole that he left on this show is still felt. And so I'm so glad that we're finally getting a bigger story for the Winters and Hamilton unit that should have been given to them back in 2019. But of course, you know, we went through COVID and the show had no direction. Um, and it's still kind of directionalist on some days. It depends on who gets the script because again, no breakdown writers. Um, but, you know, I'm so glad that we finally get to talk about Neil in a way that makes sense. You know, they're not just throwing around Neil's name for Emmy bait. They're actually giving it a remembrance story. They're giving that name. Um, they're showing you what that name and that legacy left behind. Um, and I think Crystal Khalil Tiggs, like I texted you, I think the, this past month, she has certainly woken up and come to the party. I think she's doing a fabulous job. Um, I'm loving the story direction for Lily ever since they dropped Billy from her orbit. Um, I mean, I still don't like Devon, and that really bothers me because I used to like that character a lot. Oh, I've never liked Devon. Devon, he's like Trey Fernandez for me. Like, and even Amiga Hines Victoria. Those characters Shut like that. Up. <laughs> uh, look, I'm sorry. Look, those characters, they're only as good as who they're paired with. If you want me to care about them, put them with somebody they have chemistry with. Put them with somebody I like. Because like, even with Nicholas, I don't give a flying fuck about Nicholas unless he's with Sharon Collins from Madison, Wisconsin. And that's all I got to say. I've never given a fuck about Nicholas. Never. Unless he's with Sharon. I don't understand why he's the child of the biggest super couple in the show. Because I don't give a fuck about Nicholas. Like, like Nick, that, and, and, and that's his plan of fame. Sharon. Sharon. Victoria was all, Victoria became popular all on her motherfucking own. So did that. Well, and I will give you Nick, that. But the I only mean, reason Nicholas got popular was because of a parent. Victoria and Adam became popular because of them being those characters. Who they were, yeah. Yeah, like Nicholas was never popular because of who he was. He's always been a fucking slut who masked himself as a hero. Don't tell me he's probably when he's with Sharon because he has some substance. He's a so human being when he's with Sharon. Personally, I've always loved him. But um, because, you know, he came from the biggest couple on the show. And I feel as though he has had good stories through the years, and except for the past five years. God, the past five years have been a nightmare for that character. But you are right that, you know, he really only stuck to the canvas because Bill Bell um, paired him with Sharon um, and, you know, went through 
three Sharons before landing on the one who was really going to be there long term. And, you know, all of his most popular stories lead back to that pairing. The affair with Phyllis, Cassie's death, um, the whole entire monumental story of faith coming into the world. Uh, even Summer's paternity being switched, uh, which went on for a whole uh, year and a half. Um, and then the affair with Grace. It all leads back to Sharon. Um, so yeah, I totally get what you're saying, Tiggs, because Victoria and Adam had stories that made them popular on their own outside of pairings. You know, we loved Victoria when she first was sore-ass for her grit and being just like her father. Um, and then, of course, there was Cole and Ryan McNeil. And then Adam was always gangbusters, especially, you know, when Michael Muni took over for Chris Ingen. Um, and we loved Adam so much in those early years. But you're right. They had story to stick them to the canvas, unlike Nicholas, who had a pairing that stuck him to the canvas. Um, but Alan, what about you? I mean, what are your thoughts? I think this is an interesting subtopic. What are your thoughts on Nicholas, Victoria, and Adam and what sticks the Newman children to the canvas? Victoria is an interesting position because she's always been the heir apparent, but they don't always write her like she's the heir apparent because remember, Maria Bell tried to do that, followed those best shit, tried to make her children's book author and all that shit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Victoria's actually been interesting lately because I like her with Nate. I think that's an interesting story. Nick, on the other hand, is a terrible story. It makes him look like a fucking loser to be dating a woman of Zara's age who is pregnant with his brother's baby. He's too old for this shit. Yeah. And Adam? What's what's the point of the story? Why? Yeah, That's why I said on Twitter, I want him to start fucking odd because Sally hasn't been in that position yet. You know, I, 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 the whole time she's been, you know, dealing with Adam, he's been all about her. She's never been in a position to see him kissing on somebody else. And I know, knowing Sally, if they stay true to character, that would burn her the fuck up. Seeing Adam kissing and hugging on somebody else. You know that if they really go to Sally's true character, she'll fake something with that baby to distract Adam to be with her. Exactly, and I want Nicholas to see that. I want Nicholas, I want him to see that dealing with that girl was the worst decision he ever made. Sally going You had no business because even Nikki pointed it out. Are you doing this on purpose? Like, like what, what is the reason? Why, why do you and your brother keep dealing with the same women like this now? Yes, he went after Sharon. Okay, whatever. Sage was a complicated situation. But this, you knowingly did this. Him and Sally ain't even broken up a full six months. They're even having a baby together. You made the decision to go after this woman knowing good and goddamn well that she wasn't over your brother. That's your fault. Like yesterday's episode, how he was looking at them all crazy, talking at the Grand Finney. Well, Nicholas, what do you expect? Well, as long as he doesn't try anything, you know your brother, Nicholas. You know how Adam is going to react. And that's what kills me about Nicholas and Victoria and Nikki. They know Adam. 
They know how he's going to react. And then when he does it, he's the villain. Well, quit poking the fucking bear. You people antagonize this man and treat him like shit. Emotionally abuse him repeatedly. And then when he retaliates or when he reacts, you use it against him. But if you notice, Nikki's been pointing that out lately. I've been loving the character direction of Nikki lately. I think this is some of the strongest dialogue. Notice I said dialogue, not story, not strongest character, but strongest dialogue she's ever gotten. Because she's looking at Victor like he's crazy. (laughs) Because when they were trying to dissect who bought Tucker's debt, which I thought those scenes between Eileen, Eric, and Amelia were fucking fantastic. But, you know, Nikki is trying to wake Victor up and is like, what's the point? Like, you know how this is going to go, Victor. You know how he's going to react. You know eventually he's going to run afoul at the company. You know you're eventually going to say something offhand. Like, I think I really appreciate the character direction of Nikki lately, where she's more willing to call Victor on his bullshit than ever, because unlike Victor, she's paying attention to the history of the family now. And I think she's over it. I think Nikki Newman at 65 years old is over how Victor runs this family from time to time. But see, see, if you as a fan of the show and loving Nikki, see me, I love Nikki too, but I don't see it like that. No, Nikki, no. What they do is her and Victoria, they treat Victor like he's a victim. Why do you keep setting yourself up like this? You know Adam's going to hurt you and disappoint you. That's what they do. And how, no, Nikki in those scenes, Nikki has done what she's always done. Act like her children with Victor are the most important. Well, of course they are. And, and it's not. No, they're not. No, fuck that. I mean, because, like, Adam was born out of love. Victor loved, married, and adored Hope. Even Abby's punk ass. Yeah, it was a conventional, but he loved, married, and adored Ashley. Twice. They are, like, Nicholas and Victoria are no better than Abby and Adam because their mother is the great love of his life. And Nikki has always been like that. And I wish they had a scene where Adam checked her ass on that. Like, you may not, you may resent me, you may hate me, but I know for a fact Victor loved and adored mama. And I was not a bastard. I wasn't, I, like, my mother wasn't some maid that dad knocked up. My mother saved his life and he fell in love with her. And that's why I'm here. So quit treating me like I'm yesterday's garbage. All because daddy loves you more or loves you the most. That's why I never understood why him and Abby aren't close. Him and Abby should be ace boom cones. They try the only to reason the only reason they treat Abby with a little bit more respect is because Ashley ain't playing that shit. That's the only reason. If they could run over Ashley and nigga fuck about her, they would treat Abby just as bad as they treat Abby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they tried that at one point. Who was it that tried putting Adam and Abby? like in a lot of scenes together. Wasn't that Chuck Pratt? Chuck Pratt, yeah. Thank you, Alan. Oh, um, Justin Hartley played Adam. Yes. And then Maria Bell, I, I used to love how Maria used to play Michael Muni and M. Ryland in scenes together. 
because they would always have these funny exchanges about the family, especially I remember when Nikki and Victor were getting married um, during the, well, they had just gotten engaged, like as Maria was leaving. Um, and Adam and Abby making all those jokes about their, you know, 85th engagement was so funny. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the Newmans are in a very interesting place right now. Um, but also let's talk about the Abbots because there's a lot going on there, especially with Jeremy Stark. Uh, Chance is also very worried about Diane and Jack not taking a threat seriously. Um, people are still reading Phyllis for filth about her involvement in the situation. Um, so what are you guys thinking about the state of the Abbots? Uh, Alan, we'll start with you. I love Jack and Diane being back together because they he needed a stable pairing after like three years of celibacy. Because remember, before he fucked Phyllis last year, the last pussy Jack got was Dominique, who was just there because Ashley paid her. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, not 29 year old Alice Hunter. <laughs> it's yeah. like because Ashley Abbott is so worried about her brother's penis that she's going to hire that amazing black woman to come work for the company and seduce her brother oh my god i thought that was so fucking ridiculous ashley and jack are 70 years old <laughs> and that's even a bigger red wings lem even fuck bringing jonas as his father hiring a woman to fucking fuck him that's terrible <laughs> yes and then remember she had that british accent they made her do oh poor alice hunter Go to General Hospital is my award. I thought she was a good actress, but still, she was. I still couldn't. I still can't believe that stupid motherfucker on Twitter that suggested she be a rehab Oprah. Oh, I remember <laughs> that. Oh my god, I dragged him to fucking hell. I'm like, you think the biracial 29 year old Alice Hunter can replace 54 year old white Italian Christian Alfonso? Are you fucking insane? You stupid motherfucker. I will never forget. That was such a... God, that was me, your mommy. I'm younger than you now. <laughs> that was so, like, so many so, fans, so many so fans of Pins is just like, oh my God. Like, like, the GH fans, get the fuck over it. I don't care. Tyler Christopher is dealing with his health and his well-being. If he was supposed to come back, he would have been back. Jonathan Jackson lives in another fucking country. With Lisa Voltaggio and their children. Lucky and Nicholas can be recast. Let the fuck go of 1998. Okay. Um, so yeah, back to the young and resting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then Alan, what are you thinking of? Uh, because I've really been appreciating this, and I even tweeted it out. Despite the story direction of Phyllis, unlike other characters like Carly on General Hospital, everybody is calling Phyllis on her motherfucking shit from Lauren and Michael to Daniel to Summer to Jack to Diane. So, Alan, what are you thinking of everybody calling Phyllis on her shit? Oh, I love it. Yeah, she deserves it. She started all the shady. Diane did not, not done shit to her ever since she came back. And she deserves it all. And Summer Rainier was especially good because I like it when so kids get to read their parents. 
and it was well acted. I thought Allison uh, Lanier and uh, Michelle Staff did really good in those scenes. Um, I thought they were very emotional. The writing was really good, um, which, by the way, Susan Banks wrote that episode, which, again, ap apologies to Miss Susan Banks. Um, your scripts are amazing. I and many others mistakenly thought she was a breakdown writer. I should have vetted my fact a little more on that. Um, Susan Banks is still with the team um, and she's writing amazing scripts and she wrote the script that day of Summer calling Phyllis out on her shit uh, from two days ago. Well, not two days ago, excuse me, yesterday. Um, and it was a fabulous script. Uh, so kudos to Susan Banks there. Um, Tiggs, what are you thinking of the Abbots at the moment? And what are you thinking of a Chance being worried about the threat of Jeremy Stark? Chance needs to have his ass over there at that company that his grandfather built with Lily. That's what the fuck he needs to do. I've always hated him being a cop because cops don't fare well on this show. And you take the grandson of the only original character left on that show for the last 50 years and you make him a fucking Dudley Do-Right punk-ass cop. That's what I think about that. If Chance is going to be on my screen, put Connor Floyd in a fucking suit and let him work for his grandmother's company. I don't give a fuck about him being a fucking cop. What better yet, put him in the tightest of box of briefs because Lord, when he was yelling at Jack and Diane, I was like, oh, oh, choke me. Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> Jack and Diane should have cussed his motherfucking ass out. I know, it was so funny. Connor Floyd is 29 years old. I wish a motherfucker born in 1993 would yell at me. You little bastard. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, the Abbots, yeah, I'm glad that Jack and Diane are together. Sorry, y'all. Had a call. Not your phone ringing. Yeah. God damn okay. it. But yeah, I'm, um, that. I, I'm 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 glad I'm glad that Jack and Diane are together. It's time for Jack to be in a stable parent at 70 years old, trying to write him like he's 40. They've been writing Jack the same way since 1994, and I'm tired of it. Um, that's great. I love Ashley buying Tucker's debt. She like, you know what? If we don't start fucking around again, I need to be in full control, and that's the only way. To so I ain't mad at that. I ain't mad at that at all. Loving Victoria going after Nate, like I said, it's very reminiscent of her going after Brian when he was with Nina. Like that, that's Victoria Newman. I'll take your man. Because Elena, I love Britney Starkey, but I'm I'm tired of Elena's naggy, wet blanket ass. I'm so fucking sick of her. I hate the writing process. And like, because it's like she Victoria's right, she's not a good match for Nate. Ever since Nate left medicine, every decision he's made, she has poo-pooed on it. She has shitted on it. She has discouraged this man. Like even like yesterday, when he his heart was in the right place. Or not yesterday, but a couple of days. His heart was in the right place. He just wanted to see what was going on with Lily and the Bonnie. Nate, I don't think Shut the fuck up. Do you ever support this man? I came in the last time she wholeheartedly with her whole open chest. Like, supported this man doing any fucking thing. That's why he's been susceptible to women like Victoria any mind. Hell, even Audra for that matter. Because they listen to him. Like, 
Elena does not listen to Nick. To Nick. It's like she wants him to be this bland ass, punk ass, gosh, hunky dory ass motherfucker. And that's just not him. Like, like she likes to. If there is casting cuts and we see Britney Sarpy go, I wouldn't be surprised because what's the point of Elena? She's a drip. She's a drip of a care. Like I said, now a real soap opera will be her catching Nate and Victoria fucking and she go batshit crazy for six months. That's what we need, but we ain't gonna do it. Um, yeah, like I said, why not uh, Chelsea want to be in video games? That makes my head hurt. I didn't under I didn't understand that. Like you said, Tiggs, before was it before we started recording where you said one step forward, five steps back? Yeah, it, it, it's that shit. It's just like, what? And then the whole Tariah thing. Like, Mariah and Tessa then got the baby, then adopted the baby. It's a little girl, all this shit. All of this shit happened off screen. They didn't even try to cast Delphine. We don't even know what the fuck Delphine looks like. That's a disservice to the fans and to the LBGT everybody community. It's a disservice. All because you worried about the redneck Meemaws in Nebraska having a motherfucking problem. It's 2023. Just go balls to the motherfucking walls. Should get off the pot. That would have been a beautiful story written properly for Mariah and Tess. Well, and what do you have to lose? You, you, ain't, you ain't got nothing. You just do it. Because even though all the all the racist, homophobic grandmas talking shit, they still gonna watch it every day. They just gonna hate watch those scenes. Who cares? Shit. But yeah, I, just, uh, just like back in the day, like if if Neil and Victoria would have fucked around thirty years ago, they weren't gonna stop watching. Shit. Exactly. Like the Young and the Restless wasn't going to suddenly go off the air tomorrow. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, like you said, going back to the Abbots a little bit, I do love Ashley. I think Ashley is the best written character on the canvas right now. Um, but, you know, I was also talking to Galen about this, too. When Dina Higley is at Days of Our Lives, she loves writing the fuck out of Ari Zucker's Nicole, and Nicole gets some of her best material. Um, and has had some of her best material under Dina. Um, and when Josh Griffith is at The Young and the Restless, he loves him some motherfucking Ashley Abbott. Um, every time he's there, Ashley is written correctly. Um, I think this is some of the best stories she's had in a while. Um, and I loved, loved the dirty looks she was given Victoria in that office. She was like, what's it to you, Victoria? Like, that. that is... 25 years of history from when Victoria called, when uh, Ashley called little Heather Tom a slut like her mother. <laughs> I just, oh, I loved it so much. Um, but yeah, The Young and the Restless has not been terrible the past week, in my opinion, besides Chelsea in these fucking video games and not seeing Tariah. It definitely has not been the worst soap opera on television. Um, so I'll give them that. I'll give them that. Um, something else that fans can do with The Young and the Restless in honor of its 50th anniversary, The Young and the Restless is taking its most popular cast members on the show currently, and they are doing Paramount Plus exclusive videos uh, for stars of the show to look back on their favorite scenes. 
so go right ahead, check those out. Melody Thomas Scott was the first one to do it. And like I mentioned, you can find those on Paramount+. Plus. In the meantime, let's move on to the primetime chat because there's two topics that we need to talk about when it comes to the primetime chat, and they both deal with ABC shows. First up, Abbott Elementary. Janine and Gregory finally had their kiss. Uh, Tiggs, what did you think of Janine and uh, Gregory's kiss, and where do you think the rest of the season is going to lead us with those two? Forgive me, I have not caught up on Abbott yet. I I heard about the kids, but I know it's going to be great. Like, everybody, like, I was around for Ross and Rachel. I was around for Dwayne and Willie. This is classic textbook sitcom romance. I was around for Max and Kyle. Like, I know this. It's, 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 it's going to happen. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not surprised by it. I'm happy for it. But, you know... We're kind of in this age where people are just, it, 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 because of social media, people are like acting like they're experiencing this for the first time and they're really not. Like we've seen this play out before on several sitcoms, but I'm happy that it's happening and it, it's only going to go up. You know, it's going to be a little bit of pushing and pulling and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure Tariq will be back soon. He'll probably pop up for the season finale like, oh, babe, I made it big. Now you can come live with me in Florida, whatever. You know, and, and Gregory gonna have to like take the stick up out of his ass and fight for her. That's what's gonna happen. But um, yeah, like I think it's great, and I am gonna do a catch up. I did catch up on the Connors, but I, I was behind on that too. I'm gonna do a catch up but on like, that. Let me ask you this because you brought up an interesting point. You said people are acting because of social media, like this is the first time they've seen it. Do you think it's that, or do you think Abbott Elementary's bringing back water cooler television for this modern day? No, they are. It's, it's both. No, it is both because it's like we saw it with Scam. Yeah. Like, everybody was just gagging every week. I'm like, baby, we did that every motherfucking Monday with Melrose Play. It ain't nothing new. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's just people are, I, I don't know. It's, and, I, and I do understand that it's been a long time since we had something like this when it comes to a sitcom. So people are excited about it. It's great. It's wonderful. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's just like, I know where this is going. It's just, I, it's, I've seen it a million times before we all have. Like, you know, it, this is where it's going. And, but it is, it's nice to see people reacting to it and being so, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And it's just like, you people binge watch old sitcoms and have seen this, but it is different seeing it in real time. Going, excuse me, going from week to week. Because like I said, with, like with Max and Kyle on Living Single, I spent my childhood seeing that build up. So when that last episode came and Kyle came back for her and she was pregnant, goddamn it, it, it was the satisfaction like five years. So I get it. Like, or we're, we're friends. When, when we thought Rachel was gone and she brought her ass back to that motherfucking dog, I get it. I get it. But we saw that all in real time. So I get it. It's different between seeing it in real time and binging on something that happened 10, 12 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. So, yeah, I, I'm happy that Quinta is doing the damn thing and getting all this recognition and she's showing ABC that, you know, Black people matter. Black writers matter. Black producers matter. Black actors matter. 
if you give us a chance, we'll make you a shit ton of money. That's why I will never understand why they passed on Viola Davis' show a couple of years ago. But we got a stupid ass show greenlit about Helen Mirren voicing animals in the jungle and stupid shit like that. We get dumb shit like that. But you couldn't, you passed on a show by Viola Davis who gave you six game buster ass seasons of How to Get Away with Murder? Are you fucking nuts? There are so many shows to get passed up, but no, we get. Gina Rodriguez talking to dead people. What? That can make sense. But I can just only imagine all of the wonderful ideas that so many Black creators have thrown at these networks that have been passed up. Like, even when it comes to, like, a Black queer show, like, why haven't we gotten another Black queer show? Yeah, we've got, we have polls. Yeah, polls technically consistent. Season. You add all that shit together, Pose is on for 25 episodes. That's a fucking miniseries. At best. Oh, I'm sorry. Limited series. At best. I want another Noah's Ark. You know, I, I, I it's just, I, I want something like, especially with the streaming services, why can't you get Patrick Ian Polk, the creator of Noah's Ark, who is a very lovely man in real life. I met him when he came here prior to a few years ago. He was lovely. Why can't you greenlit him a show for one of your streaming devices? Like streaming platforms. Why the fuck not? Why can't you give him 10 episodes and let him authentically write some shit? Black gay Twitter would eat that shit up with a fucking spoon. The memes and the tweets alone would go viral and blow that shit the fuck up. There's a reason why Stars is booming right now with the power book three series and, and BMS and, and P Valley. It's not just because of the viewership, but it's black Twitter geeking that shit up, making people want to watch. Like when Noah's Ark came back for that that COVID that COVID special they did on YouTube. And they had, you know, the product placement, I think it was Neutrogena or something like that. It, it was so great and it had such a great response. And even if the streaming service doesn't want to do it, why can't YouTube do it? YouTube. There are people like me who pay $12 a month. I would pay $12 a month to get us black, gay as hell, ghetto as hell, funny as hell, scripted fucking series. And you know what? Casey, I'm thinking about it right now. We're doing it. We're going to give them a funny, gay, scripted, podcast series. We're going to start working on that bullshit. And Alan, you're going to be in on it too. Are you shitting me? I'm hiring Alan as executive producer. He's going to be- <laughs> that, That's what the fuck we're going to do. Time to that, that, no, that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to promote the fuck out of it on my main Twitter that has 10,000 motherfucking followers and who has had that for the last 14 years. That's what the fuck we're doing. And you know what, Tiggs? You can make amends and hire Tyler Christopher. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I hire Tyler as a rich sugar daddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, there is so much. We really have to support Black content. Um, you know, it's been so great these past uh, almost five years doing this podcast with somebody like Tiggs, who, because 
my television portfolio is very diverse because, you know, I'm 65 years old um, and I was there for the secret storm in search for tomorrow um, and Carla Hall on One Life to Live. But no, you know, Tiggs has really opened my eyes to amazing Black content and amazing Black stories. And there's even a show on NBC I'm going to turn on tonight uh, that debuts season two soon, uh, Grand Crew. Uh, created by Phil Augusta Jackson and starring Nicole Byer and Echo Kellum. Um, and I'm going to turn that on. It's a cute little sitcom I've heard great reviews about. Uh, their season two premiere is tomorrow. And we really need to lift up Black voices and Black content. Um, because Abbott Elementary has revived the sitcom, like when Mark Cherry revived the primetime soap with Desperate Housewives. Um, it has. And just like. It, 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 and how the primetime soap was revived again with fucking Empire. Yep, with Empire. Look yep. how much money Empire made Fox. Yeah. And, and y'all still don't want to put black shows on TV? Look what Blackish did for ABC. Like, Abbott Elementary came at the right time because Blackish just ended. But Quentin Barnson said, hold my beer. I got you. Yeah, that Blackish uh, spinoff, Grownish, that saved Freeform. Because ain't nobody was watching Pretty Liars, The Perfectionist. Um, Grownish saved Freeform's lineup of scripted content. So yeah, it's out there. We just have to support it. And we have to be on their side. Um, as our co-host Rodrigo says, I'm rooting for everybody Black. Um, we have to support diversified content. We have to support shows that drive diversity forward and create interesting and intriguing stories. Um, but yeah. That's I why I'm so happy that Bounce TV is coming to YouTube TV. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's... Yeah, they just they just struck a deal that should be coming this spring because Tisha Campbell, Kim Whitley, and Yvette Nicole Brown have a new sitcom coming. And I know it's going to be fucking amazing. I know it's going to be amazing. And also, people... From the clips I've seen on Twitter, please run. Do not walk. Get to a BT Plus subscription, even if it's just for seven days, and get into the Miss Pat show. Like, it is funny as hell. From the clips I've seen, it is funny. Tammy Roman from Basketball Wise, she does a fantastic job on that show. Like, it, it's amazing. Get into the Upshaws on Netflix. I know we have our issues with Wanda Sons. But yes, get into the Upshaws on that way. That's it, my it, 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 It's very smart and, and funny. It, it's, it's basically a true 90s black sitcom, but they cuss. I love it. Samora has a new stand-up special on Netflix. Support my girl. She is a queen of comedy. Speaking of which, Monique has her Netflix special coming up. Support her. And she has a movie on BT Plus. I've seen a clip. I'm going to watch it. She did amazing. Support the black folk, y'all. We need it. I don't give a fuck if it's March 1st, goddammit. It's Black History Year, bitch. <laughs> God, Tiggs. Not, not you saying March 1st and it's March 2nd. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, March 2nd. I'm sorry. See, I was off today. I, you know when you be off of work, you be forgetting what day it is because you don't give a fuck. Okay. Oh, second. Oh, Um... But yeah. Oh, and I want to make an announcement too, because I don't think you know Alex, but I'm going back to school, y'all. All my nice. soap homies. I, Alan, I love you. <laughs> I love you. It's like, 
you can tell Alan the best news you've ever had. Oh my God, my cancer is in remission, Alan. This is so wonderful. I, I, I don't know what to do. Alan be like, oh, that, that's great. Higgs, you know you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so I just a a dude person. <laughs> no, I know, I know how you are, Alan, though. Yeah, I'm going back to school. I am an official student of DeVry University, and I've enrolled in a medical billing and coding. Uh, okay, course. look, agent nurse Jesse Brewer. And, up. you know, I should be done within a year. I wanted something where I wasn't going to be in school forever and wasn't going to be six figures to pay back. And it was, that was going to double my income, if not more. So it's... And, over 51% of medical billing and coders work remotely. Hey. So I want to sit on my ass and make $50,000 a year. So I said, let's do this shit. I got time. I got time. I just want to share that with all of you, like Casey and everybody else that I know personally has known it, but I just want to share this with Alan and everybody else out there. Positive vibes only. You know, it takes a village to raise a child and the show takes a village to help an old bitch push him forward and go back to school. Hallelujah. This is very Dorothy's born act of you. Um, <laughs> but no, Tiggs. Casey. No. Sorry, Miranda. This is Lana. This is Lana with a message from Dorothy. <laughs> no, Kiss you're me. in your Miranda Hobbs era. Just don't become a lesbian alcoholic now. Um, well, I'm already a dyke bitch with a, with a cocktail in my hand. So well, that be- that's the name of our spinoff podcast. The Chat Presents Dyke Bitches with Cocktails. Um, Oh, we would get at least 400 listeners. <laughs> God. Anyway, uh, the kiss between Janine and Gregory was fabulous. I loved it. Back oh, shit. I forgot. We were talking about Abbott Elementary. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> God. Um, but yes, it was absolutely fabulous. I thought it was very romantic. I loved the Principal's Conference episode. I thought it was so smart. Barb and Melissa, that motherfucking Lisa Ann Walter and Queen Cheryl Lee Ralph. Oh my God, they were fabulous as the drunk veteran teachers in that episode. Um, it was so great. Alan, what did you think of Janine and Gregory's kiss? I liked it. I was concerned, I was concerned it was a little too soon because it's only season two. So I was thinking it was going to happen in season three, but. Season two, I don't know about this. It's a good kiss, but hope we don't have them officially go a couple until the end of season three at the earliest. Oh, no, I think, Alan, it, it's going to be a little bit. Because, like, if you look back to shows like, like I said, like with Living Single, like, you know, Max and Kyle, you know, they slept together at the end of season one. But then it was on that bullshit until the end of the show. So, you know, like, I, I think it'll be fine. And plus, you got to go a little bit fast. We said about Spencer and Trina, Alan, like, we all got ADHD to a certain extent. You can't be dragging shit out now. We got to just give a little bit. Like, they ain't got to have sex yet. I'm pretty sure Tariq is going to pop back up. He's going to make a big and pop back up. And Greg, and, and he, he just going to, Greg, going to have to fight. Because, you know, Greg is a very, you know, you know, stick up his ass, straight lace type of character. He's going to have to fight for Janine. If you want that girl, open up your mouth. Like, it's probably going to be one of the situations where Barbara and them going to be like, boy, you better open up your mouth. <laughs> and like, and he going to have to. Like, what like, a different world. It took until Whitley was about to marry Papa Pope. 
and and goddamn it, Dwayne with it, and he ran to that church and begged with it, like keep sweat, baby, please, please. don't bury this motherfucker. So yes, I remember watching that live thirty years ago. When he said that, baby, please, and she told Papa Pope, "I'm sorry," and she ran to Dwayne. The whole house was screaming. That's television. <laughs> And that's low-key when the different world should have ended. There's no shade. But yeah, I mean, you know, what's great is I'm glad they even viewed it as this kiss that was, you know, they kept calling it like a hiccup. And, you know, I'm glad. so it wasn't like our big, actual, there together type of kiss. You know, it was very office because remember when uh, Jim and Pam kissed in, I think, what, the season one finale, I think it was? Um, in season two, you're like, oh, they're going to be back together. They kept those motherfuckers apart for so long. And they had their different relationships. You know, Rashida Jones and uh, Pam's original fiance who worked in the warehouse. So it was very smart. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see where Abbott Elementary will go with this. Because I think you're right, Tix. Tariq is bound to come back. I don't think they're done with that character yet. Um, but anyway, let's talk about the other ABC show, which delivered a big episode. Grey's Anatomy said goodbye to Meredith um, and not Ellen Pompeo's last episode forever, but her last episode as a series regular cast member. The episode was filled with uh, nostalgic lines like reliving Meredith's pick me, choose me moment in the OR washroom. Um, it delivered high-stakes medical drama with patients, and it ended with the new batch of interns moving into Meredith's uh, house. So, Alan, what did you think of Meredith's farewell to Seattle on Grace? It was nice. I like to call back season two, choose me, pick me. Or let's have she's like, I'm choosing me and my family. You can come along if you want. But it's about me. I'm not begging your ass. That shows character growth. Because it, a lot of people hated the choose me, pick me shit. And I did too at the time, even though I know it was good TV, but it wasn't the most emotionally mature shit thing, mindset you would have in a relationship where you wouldn't have to be a pick me. But that does show 19 years of a character because, you know, Meredith was still very stupid then because <laughs> you know she was 30 years old and um she had no kids she had never been married nobody had died on the show yet um and so here we are 19 years later she got a parcel of children she can afford first class plane tickets she's lost 83 people who she's loved and i really i really loved it um i thought this was some of the best character growth that show has ever shown. Um, and I thought that was Hood when she was on the plane and Nick called and she said, I can't hear you. Goodbye. <laughs> I said, Meredith, you heard that man, you bitch. Um, that was great. Um, I also, I was so, and again, I know this is personal opinion. I was so fed up with people saying, where were the flashbacks? Where were the CGI holograms of past characters? I'm like, we just got that nine episodes ago. 
Yes, it aired last year, but that was nine episodes ago that we got that because it was the 400th and they literally flash back to 399 episodes. It's like we already got that. We did that. And this is not her last episode forever. This episode was meant to usher in the next generation of storytelling so Ellen Pompeo can go to Hulu and make that miniseries. It's like this woman is tired. It's been 19 years of the same fucking show. They're ready to start fresh. And we got a ton of nostalgia with Pick Me, Choose Me. And we got a ton of growth with Meredith. And I thought that ending narration was perfect when she was reading that woman's book. And she was realizing that it basically reminded her of the past 19 years of her life. The whole, I've slayed dragons. I've been through a broken home. I've saved lives and I've had my life saved. That episode was one of the best episodes of Grey's Anatomy I have ever seen. And I mean that wholeheartedly. It was a fantastic showcase of Ellen Pompeo's talent and commitment to the show. And it was Grey's Anatomy at its best. Um, Tiggs, what did you think of Meredith's goodbye to Seattle? I have not seen it yet. I'm caught up on grades. I just have not seen that. Um, Girl, I, did you watch time. any primetime shows? <laughs> it, it, it was time. It was time. Like, I haven't really given a shit about Meredith since their dad. Um, <laughs> and old boy could have went with her. I don't know why they let him work at the hospital. I, I don't care about him. They could have let him and Meredith get together and live happily ever after. Like, Meredith could have took him with him. He don't need to say. He's okay. Nice looking. Okay actor. But why is he still here? But I think that was about, you know, growth on her part that she's ready to focus on herself and her children. Mm -hmm. So I think it was overall important that she didn't end up with a man. Yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah, like, you know, Ellen Pop paying all being there is going to save that show a truckload of money because they were paying her ass King Grant. So, like, Grace may stay on number three seasons because I have some. Because me personally, I, I want Addison back full time. I love me some Kate Walsh. I want Addison back full motherfucking time. She could be the new star of the show. Um, but yes, like like you said, like we got all those flashbacks for four hundredth episode. But this is not the last time we're going to see Meredith. Meredith's going to pop her head in here and there. Like I don't get what everybody is like. People are just, ugh, you can't satisfy everybody. I don't have people. But yeah, like, bye, Meredith. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, to compromise with people, could there have been one more callback? Maybe. Could she have gotten, you know, a FaceTime call with Justin Chambers? Maybe. Um, but Meredith's goodbye story has been building for a while. And we've had people back to say goodbye to her. They brought Jackson uh, back and they gave them multiple scenes discussing the past. This People act like this episode and this story just kicked off right now when it's been building since like episode 396. Uh, or really, you know what? Actually, it's been building before that. It's been building since the season 18 premiere because Meredith has been thinking about leaving Seattle 
for a year now. Um, so yeah, I thought the episode- it's just a, it's just a natural progression. Even exactly. When to, even when it came to Christina Lee, it's like these type of the type of characters that these people are, like they weren't meant to just be at Seattle Grace Grace Sloan forever. Exactly. Their world. You know. You know, people like Richard and Miranda, they're fine. You know, it, it, it makes sense why they still want to be there. But like people like Meredith and like the, the interns that started there, of course they wouldn't still be there 20 years later. Of course they wouldn't. That's just what it is. Doctors go to other hospitals all the time. They bring on new experimental cases all the time. It's what they're supposed to do. And Richard and Bailey wanted them to do that. They taught them for 19 years. You know, it's <laughs> these things don't happen in a vacuum. If you want Grey's Anatomy to continue to be as real as possible, well, doctors leave their hospitals all the time after 19 years. It's just that's how people roll. Um, doctors get promotions and they go elsewhere in the world. Yeah, like like look at like look at Joe. Joe started from scratch and changed specialties. Doctors do that. Yep. I like how they have more Asian doctors now. It used to be just Christina. Now they have three Asian doctors. And that's actually common in real life. You go to the hospital right now, you're gonna see more than one Asian doctor. Exactly. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy is really getting a good handle on the show it wants to be. Um, and I, I just want them to do something about this relationship with Amelia. Nothing against the actor. The actor is fine. The actor is cool. I just, I don't like Amelia in this relationship with the trans man. I, God forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm not being transphobic or anything. I just don't, I don't want that for Amelia. I don't like that. It just doesn't, it seems kind of it just it just it just seems kind of out of place for a character like me. I just I, I don't know. If it would have been another character, perhaps maybe, but I just uh, well, I I really like Corey. I, I I like Kai. I like the character. I just don't like the character with me. That's what I'm I, was, I was getting tired of Amelia and Link together um, because I like Link way better with Joe. Oh so, yeah, me too. I just want I want Amelia to get with somebody that that can can deal with her and her shit. Amelia, be on that. Honestly, I would rather prefer Amelia just leave. I'm gonna oh. be. I I would rather her just pack it up and go. Um, I've never liked Amelia. Um, in fact, this is the only story I've liked her in since Derek died. I think she's a whiny bitch of a woman. Um, because when they were in that therapy session. And, um, you know, she was yelling at Link and she was like, I need you to do more in this relationship. You make me feel like my addiction's coming to the surface. That man is not to blame for your addiction. Yeah, that no, no. I hated the way she treated Link. Link was a good man to her. Yeah. And she was a her own good. worst enemy. And, and like, yeah, but no, I've always loved Amelia. Like, like her, her, her on private practice with that drug addiction. She was so much better and, on private and, and dealing with that baby and dealing with that baby. Oh, she was the shit on private practice. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with Amelia. Like, they just they just need to put her with someone that brings out the best in her. 
And that's what I'm saying. Her and Kai, it's just very superficial. It's very, it's just like you said, like Amelia is just, she's a mother now. She's too old for this shit. I kind Amelia of is like 45 her. years old. She's too old for this shit. I kind of like them tossing around the idea of her and Karasik. Um, I thought her and Karasik had a lot of interesting chemistry. Um, but uh, like I mentioned, I am a Kai and Amelia fan. But I don't understand, you know, they had this big monumentous, uh, momentous, excuse me, kiss in the 400th episode. It was big. They got a sweeping music cue, you know, uh, chasing cars. They've done nothing with them all season. It's like you built them up hugely in the 400th. Did ABC get scared or like what happened? Because they've done nothing with them all season long and we're nine episodes into season 19. Yeah, I, I like, like I said, I, I'm fine. Like I said, I, 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 don't, I like the character. <laughs> I, I just don't like it with Amelia. I just, I don't. It's, it's, I, but yeah, I don't know. Amelia definitely needs a jump start in story a little bit. But like you said, Tiggs, you know, Ellen dropping down to where she is now has saved them a ton of money, uh, probably. And, you know, they can feed story into some other characters. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we can get story for Amelia. Like I said, if they keep the relationship, fine. But Amelia needs something to do. I feel like she doesn't have a lot to do. Um, but like I said, I would also be fine if they wanted to write her out, trim the cast fat a little bit more. Um, that'd be fine with me. Um, if I see I that, they're, that they're like next this next week's episode, tonight's episode, yeah, tonight's episode is them trying to figure out who's going to take Meredith's place as chief. I'm like, just have Miranda do it. Well, I thought that was a li- well. Miranda don't want it. Shit, Miranda. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Left the hospital. Yeah. Um, I think you know Teddy should get. I'm cool with Teddy getting it. Um, because Teddy was cracking me the fuck up. I love Teddy, and I know that's a very unpopular opinion, but. Teddy was cracking me up when she went to Richard and said, I don't want to be on some board. I trained Christina motherfucking Yang. I don't want to be on some board of directors to help you pick the chief. I want to be the chief. And I love that. I thought that was totally, I was like, go for it, Teddy. Yeah, out of all of them, I guess, Teddy is the most qualified. I just, the person I don't want to get it because I thought he sucked as chief and I'm really worried this is where they're going to go to divide their marriage again. I don't want Owen anywhere near this race. No, he's not. Because remember, he's still on probation. He's not getting it. He barely has his medical license still. He's not True. Yeah, because he is on that probation for six months. Well, I guess like four more months now. Yeah, um, like he's not getting it. But yeah, I just want him to finally support Teddy because I've always hated Owen. Owen is another character I can live without. But it's like, if we're going to be stuck with him, it's time he actually supports Teddy because I'm done with him uprooting their lives every single season, like he did with selling the drugs to the soldiers he leaves. Well, see, I, I don't, because my thing is, Teddy, it's what you wanted, girl. Find <laughs> the way and, and being pathetic and being a pick me and won't Owen so bad. Well, you got him, bitch. You got him. 
So be be happy with your consolation prize. Refreshments are in the back. <laughs> but no, Alan, Alan, what are you thinking of grades? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, what are you thinking overall, Alan? Oh, Alan, Alan went to go get a Coke Zero. I, I agree to say, Alan went and got a Coke Zero and said, you bitches talk too motherfucking much. I'm gonna <laughs> He said, I've been looking to wrap the show up for four hours now. We only been recording an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested to see what happens with Grace. Oh, yeah, take a bathroom break. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Alan said, I gotta pee. These bitches talk too damn much. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, Alan, what are you thinking overall of Grace? I'm liking it, actually. Because remember last season, I dipped out to episode three. I was like, no, I can't do this. I might go back and watch those episodes, but I probably won't. Because there's certain seasons where I'm like, no, this isn't for me. I, like, season, I think season 11, I didn't watch many episodes. Yeah. At least, if you ever have time, at least watch the 400th is my recommendation, just because the nostalgia was really good. Yeah, it was, yeah, the 400th episode was great. It was better than the 300th, honestly. The For the 300th, the marketing was better than the actual episode. That The 300th was too much of a scattered episode. I didn't need this whole hour of, oh my god, you look just like Izzy. Izzy, who's that? I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah. yeah, the only episode of Grey's I haven't watched was when Kelly had the car accident and had the baby. Cause I didn't. I don't give a oh, shit. Oh God! Don't. I don't give a shit. I actually like that. I well, love musical yeah, episodes. I, I'm going to say, yeah, like Alan. Alan is the quintessential white gay man that loves musicals. Are you kidding, Alan? As a gay man, I hate musicals. Oh my God! I despise music. Alan, that shit was bad. Are you kidding me? When Owen was like, "She's flatlining." Flatline. I think it was the best musical episode ever. The best musical episode ever is what we're feeling with Buffy. But I actually liked it. I loved when Callie sang the story at land. That was so good. I love that. Well, I don't care what you guys think. You, you can uh, well, we know you love Natalie Buchanan. We know you don't care. <laughs> God damn it. Um... <laughs> Jesus. You know, it reminds me, Alan, you probably liked every time Cassie the Piva would drop those mascara running tears and go, here's what you do when you don't find the rainbow. She has a great voice. I love the bass behind that Bars episode in 2002 where she's saying, I'll never love again. Yeah, Cassie. Yeah, I love, I actually had that episode on VHS. I loved that episode. That's one of my favorite ones to live episodes. Oh, I loved it when he went live back. It was the week of the Emmys. Uh, Regis popped up in, in one of the episodes for no reason. It was great. Oh, yeah, because then he also did the closing credits that day when they were flipping down the poster boards. Yeah, that was good. I was GH to do a some more live episode. Yeah, them going live again. That would be cute. You know, do something live for this year for the 60th. You know, that would be fun. Um, I love those GH live episodes a few years ago where Kelly Monaco slapped the fuck out of Billy Miller. <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, I love that. And then Lily Melgar came at the end. That was so cute. Oh, goodness. Well, Alan, where can our listeners find you on the Twitter and also tell us a little bit about your new column? 
and my new column at the proper.com is about GH couples and what I'm thinking about the couples I selected. Like oh. Sabrina, Jax, Portion Curse, I don't think they have a ship name. At least I haven't seen it on Twitter because they're a mid year couple. I think that's all Hurts. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't think you fan out of Slam anyway, so who cares? But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, thanks for joining us, Mr. Solana. Um, well, thank you, Casey. You can find me at the Bim after part two. Well, can Cuss we? Now, Cuss now, GH fans. You'll be busy with schoolwork. Will you have time? I will. I'll always have time to talk about GH fans. <laughs> and also, you know, you all, don't forget to follow me and Tiggs' new All My Children Twitter page, um, at underscore All My Children. We're having some fun over there. We live in some memories um, of our one of our favorite shows here at the chat. So uh, definitely follow us there. You can find me at KCS Hutch. You can find our show on Twitter at the chat underscore podcast. You can also find us on Facebook at the chat show podcast. Uh, we are back next week with returning uh, special guest co-host Angel Young, who we adore. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you all then. Until then, uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Watch your ass, mind your business.